Welcome to the Lagan Valley Vineyard Podcast. We are a community passionate about seeing Lagan Valley filled with the presence and the teachings of Jesus. If you would like to connect with us or if we can help you in any way, please visit our website, laganvalleyvineyard.com. Good afternoon, everybody. How are we? Hopefully the person on your left and right has chosen to have a shower this morning. Um, if you are a guest or visitor, we love that you are here with us this morning. This afternoon, oh my goodness, Hannah. Um, I'm Hannah, if we haven't met before, I'm part of the team here at Langham Valley Vineyard. Um, I am married to the wonderful James Toll, who was leading us in worship this morning. Um, and I also have a dog, which the first service um, discovered because I put my hand in my pocket. I don't know if anyone else is dog owners, but it just constantly have poo bags coming out of my pockets at all times. So I also have a lovely dog called Connie. Um, And it's a real privilege, as always, to be sharing with you guys um, this afternoon. I'm going to jump in straight away, so just to pre-warn you. Uh, We're currently in a series of teaching called What is the Church? Where we together have been uprooting this idea that church is limited to a building. And we've been redefining and learning that the church is a collection of people who are formed by and through the person of Jesus. And we've been looking at five integral practices of why the church is important. We've been looking um, together at service. We've been looking at formation, worship. And we'll be looking at community and generosity. And today is week three. um, So we're going to be looking at the area of worship together. We're going to have some time to think about what is worship? Why do we worship? And why is the church, the people on your left and on your right, important whenever we think of worship? Does that sound good? Good. Okay, so... When I was thinking about this morning, there was loads of stories in the Bible that came into my head when I started thinking of worship. There's the walls coming down at Jericho. There's the whole book of the Psalms. Um, There's a moment whenever the woman breaks the alabaster jar over Jesus's feet. Um, There's Paul and Silas whenever they're worshiping in prison. Um, But the passage I wanna read to us today is the story of the woman at the well. Um, So if you're able, will you stand with me as I read John 4? It is page 727 in the Black Bibles from memory from the last service. If somebody wants to have a go and call that out. 737. Oh, I'm so close. 737 if you have one of the Black Bibles around you. So I'm going to start in verse 7. And just for context, Jesus is traveling through Samaria and he has just stopped um, to rest at a well where he encounters um, a woman. So from verse 7, Holy Spirit come. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into the town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, you are a Jew and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, You have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us the well and drank from it himself as did his sons and his livestock? Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. 
Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. He told her, go, call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. And Jesus said to her, you're right when you say you have no husband. The fact is you have had five husbands and the man you are now with is not your husband. What you have said is quite true. Sir, the woman said, I can see that you are a prophet. Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. Woman, Jesus replied, believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know for salvation is from the Jews. And yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth for they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit and his worshipers must worship in the spirit and in truth. The woman said, I know that Messiah called Christ is coming and when he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus declared, I, the one speaking to you, I am he. Jump down to verse 28. Then leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, come see a man who told me everything I've ever done. Could this be the Messiah? Go to verse 39. Many of the Samaritans from the town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I've ever done. So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them. And he stayed two days. Because of his words, many more believers became believers. <laughs> they said to the woman, we no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves and we know that this man really is the savior of the world. Amen. If you guys want to grab a seat. Now, if you were to go out into Belfast this afternoon and ask somebody what they understand worship as, they'll probably say that it's something that people do typically on a Sunday when they come together to buildings like this to sing songs and to fix their attention and affection on their different gods. And whilst these people do that, the rest of us, we have a wee lion, go for Sunday brunch, go for a wee saunter with the dog and rewatch Friends. But this is a false distinction because the reality is, is that everybody worships, every single one of us, whether we find ourselves in this place on a Sunday or not. The word worship, it comes from the old English word worship. And so really simply, when we think of worship, it means to give worth to that which we value the most. It means to align ourselves, align our time, our finances, our resources, our passions, values, attention to someone or something that we deem as worth the most. And this is something that we all do as human beings, whether we are aware we're doing it or not. And so just like in this series, we've been uprooting the idea that church is limited to a building. I want us to start this morning by uprooting the idea that the definition of worship is limited to the parts of our services where we sing songs. 
I wanna read a quote from a guy called David Foster Wallace. He was a novelist and an atheist, so he led a life consciously decided upon not worshiping God. And a couple of years in the lead up to his death, these were his conclusions. In the day-to-day trenches of adult life, there is actually no such thing as atheism. There is no such thing as not worshiping. Everybody worships. The only choice we get is what to worship. And an outstanding reason for choosing some sort of God or spiritual type thing to worship is that pretty much everything else you worship will eat you alive. If you worship money and things, if they are where you tap real meaning in life, then you will never have enough. Worship your own body and beauty and sexual allure and you will always feel ugly. Worship power and you will feel weak and afraid and you will need ever more power over others to keep the fear at bay. Worship your intellect being seen as smart. You will end up feeling stupid, a fraud, always on the verge of being found out and so on. Now, imagine catching this guy in Belfast this afternoon asking him what worship is. Walsh goes on, he says, look, the insidious thing about these forms of worship is not that they're evil or sinful. It is that they are unconscious. They are default settings. They're the kind of worship you just gradually slip into day after day, getting more and more selective about what you see and how you measure value without ever being fully aware that that's what you're doing. Pretty intense for 20 past 12 in the afternoon, but goodness me, this caught me whenever I read it this week. What Foster is saying is he's saying that every single one of us, we worship something. It's like there's a part of our human DNA that longs to align ourselves to someone or something that will take the place as ultimate, take the place of God in our lives. And so rather than asking ourselves whether or not we worship, a better question to ask ourselves is what? Because if it isn't God, it will be something. Whether that's money or stuff, beauty or self, power or career. Like Wallace has said, it isn't that any of these things are inherently bad, but it's just that they weren't intended to be worshipped. They aren't capable of satisfying us or leading us to live healthy lives. And this is like the water that Jesus is talking about in verse 13. Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The water that Jesus is offering her is a life that is aligned to God because it is the worship of God and only God that will satisfy and lead us into the fullness of life. It it will be what will release us into interacting with all of those other things that aren't inherently bad, but just aren't meant to be worshiped. Worshiping him, it will release us to love our families and our friends well. Worshiping him, it will teach us how to steward our money in ways that are fruitful. Worshiping him will inspire us to be purposeful in our careers. Worshiping him will show us how to call out the beauty that is to be found in each other. 
And as I was looking at this, it just helped me understand why God is so clear in scripture that he hates idolatry. It's spoken about over and over and over again. And it's not that he's insecure or that he needs our worship. It's because the worship of all other things is not life-giving. He wants to call us into the fullness of life because he loves us. And this, this is why the people gathered on your left and your right, the church, is so important when we begin to think of worship in this way because they will help guide you if you let them to worship the thing that is worth your worship. Because we need each other as we practice the everyday discipline of aligning ourselves to him, encouraging and challenging each other against the many things that are fighting for our ultimate time, attention, finance, resources, and energy. Church is important regarding our worship because becoming detached from each other, we can end up consciously or unconsciously worshiping things that ultimately will lead us into death and not life. And so I wanna challenge us this morning by asking in what areas of your life are you unsatisfied? What are the things that stop you from aligning yourself towards life-giving worship? And what choices, because what we worship is always a choice, what choices do you need to make to redirect this? I know it feels that we're looking at worship with a really wide lens this morning, but we'll be revisiting all of this in a couple of weeks and we'll go a wee bit more narrow. But I want us to change gears a bit. I want us to go back to the scripture that we read earlier and look at why this woman at the well worships God. And what does this teach us about how we, the church, worship, not just in the moments that we gather, but in the everyday, ordinary moments as we scatter? And what we find is worship is always a response to revelation. I wonder if you've um, experienced this really annoying thing. Uh, I feel like I bump into it all the time where I'm like, I've discovered this new like artist or podcast or series and I go and tell someone about it. I'm like, oh, you'd really, really like this. And they're like, just don't really care. And then a couple of months later, they'll come back and they'll be like, Hannah, I have found this new artist. You are going to love them. And then they play them. I'm like, I literally told you about these guys like two months ago. Like I'll say this to James all the time. We, we have this sofa in our living room. And um, I was like, Jay, I really think we should move the sofa to the other side of the room because I just feel like it'll create more space in the room. There'll be a bit more of a flow. And he's like, nah, I don't think that's a good idea. And then I come back from work a month later, the sofa's been moved. And James is like, here, Hannah, I just had this great idea that I'm gonna move the sofa over here because it'll just make so much more room. There'll be a better flow to the room. And I'm like, literally told you that like a month ago. I know I should be happy because the outcome is the same, but I find it so frustrating. What's my point? The moment of having a revelation for yourself is so important. 
It's like you can hear something a hundred times, but the moment it clicks, it sinks in. And throughout the New Testament, people don't just see Jesus and automatically begin worshiping. There, there is always a moment of revelation that leads to their response. Whether that is listening to his teachings, hearing the testimonies of others, or watching him demonstrate the kingdom of God through miracles and healings, and then they make the choice to respond. When we look at the conversation between Jesus and the woman at the well, we can trace these moments of revelation through the way that she addresses him. As their conversation begins, in verse nine, she doesn't refer to him as anything. Um, And that's because it was really, really, um, Jesus was just breaking a lot of barriers to even be speaking to her. For him, a Jewish rabbi, to be speaking to a Samaritan, never mind a Samaritan woman, never mind a Samaritan woman when nobody else was about. It would have looked really inappropriate and so it caught her off guard. Then as their conversation continues in verse 11 and 15, she starts referring to him as sir, then prophet, then Messiah. And all of this builds towards verse 42, where the woman goes into the village, worshiping and proclaiming the name of Jesus. And those around her come to believe in him and respond by calling him savior of the world. And sometimes I really wish that we could find out what happens next in the lives of these stories. Do you know those films that at the end when the credits come up, they take all of the characters from the film and they're like, 10 years later, this will happen. I always love those parts. Because we only really get to catch the beginning of this story. I want to know how the Samaritan woman continued her life of worship. But I think we can guess. The people in the village, they would have started to gather to share stories of this man that they'd encountered. They would have recited Jewish scripture and recalled the prophecies that Jesus had fulfilled. And as they did this, their revelation of him would have continued to deepen, which would have led them for their worship to deepen, for their revelation to deepen, for their worship to deepen and so on. Our worship, our day-to-day lifestyle of worship is caught in this dance between revelation and response, revelation and response. And it's why we can sing the same songs over and over and over again and never get tired why we can read the same passages and verses over and over again and continue to discover new truths. Yet, just like God does not force us to worship him, he does not barge into our lives unannounced. He comes where he is wanted. And so I wanna ask you today, outside of a Sunday, Do you give any space for yourself to experience the revelations of God? These are both individual places and communal places. They're moments for reflecting, for reading, for listening and pondering and praying by yourself. 
but also moments when we gather with others in places like tribes to study and discuss and ask questions and share stories. If we are to live lives that are marked by worship, I want to implore us this morning to never lose our curiosity of the things of God. And these moments of revelation, they aren't like big, thus saith the Lord moments. Really simply for me, a couple of weeks ago, um, I was just by myself at my piano was singing Holy and Anointed One. And as I was singing the word anointed, I was like, what does that actually, what does that actually mean? Like, I don't actually really know. And so then I found myself in like a bunny trail of watching Bible project videos. If you haven't heard of them, their stuff is amazing. Um, I just typed in anointed Bible project and um, it came up this video and it just showed me through scripture what it means to be anointed. It showed me that to be anointed is to be a bridge between heaven and earth. It is something that we mark as that bridge. And so then whenever I went back to worshiping with that song, it just brought me into a deeper place of worship. Because he is the bridge of heaven and earth, that is why his name is like honey, his spirit is like water, his word is a lamp. And for as long as we live on this earth, we will never be done discovering new revelations of God. And he will never tire of wooing us into worship of him. A never ending dance that grows deeper and deeper and deeper. And this is why the church is so important as we gather to worship. 1 Corinthians 13, 12, for now we see only a reflection as in a mirror, then we shall see face to face. This is the thing, we only see God in part and that is why we need each other. Because gathering together, we get to reflect all of these different parts that we see. We get to hear each other's revelations we get to hear each other's testimonies to grow together in a worship that grows deeper and deeper in the mysteries and beauties of God from revelation to response, revelation to response. But if you do your own thing and only do your own thing, you end up walking around with blind spots thinking that that is the full picture, that you've got it. But the reality is that none of us can see him clearly yet. Not me, not you, not James, not Yvette, not Andy. And that is why we need each other with different sets of eyes that see different pieces of God that have experienced different revelations throughout our week as we open up the scripture, as we gather, as we spend time creating space for him. We're gonna take some time to create space and to worship together in just a moment. Maybe the worship team, if you guys wanna jump up. But as we come to respond, there are a couple of people that um, have just been on my heart as I've been preparing this morning. 
Firstly, I wanna speak to those of you that know that there's an area in your life that you just aren't satisfied. It's like you've been going to a well and trying to drink, but it's just not quenching your thirst. And I believe that Jesus is beginning to reveal to you that area of your life this morning. And there's this moment in the passage that we read that Jesus points out an area of pain in the woman's life that she's had five husbands, whether that's through death or divorce, we don't know. But he points it out and he says, hey, I see this. I know that this hurts. I know that it's delining yourself from the life-giving worship. Come to me, let me help you. He isn't pointing out this area of her life to disqualify her. In fact, it's the opposite. He's drawing close to her, inviting her in to lead her into life-giving worship. What Jesus is doing and confronting that, that is what love is. It's not being scared to confront the things in our lives and each other's lives that are untrue, that distract or distort our ability to see ourselves clearly. And so for you this morning, if you feel like there's an area that Jesus is starting to highlight, he's not pointing at this area to disqualify you. He wants to call you into a moment of revelation and worship. He wants to gently realign you back. And so I just want to encourage you as we worship for you just to come as you are. Do not feel guilt or shame that you need to hide at the back. Jesus is calling you in. He wants to meet and encounter with you. And he wants to help realign that part of your life. Secondly, I wanna speak to those of us who have experienced revelations of God and he is, but you just don't know how to be free in your response to him. You maybe think, Hannah, the day that it is Jesus up here leading me in worship, then I will give it everything. But until then, I just don't really feel like it. And I wanna remind you this morning that what you worship is always a choice. Because the reality is that, that many people saw Jesus and spoke with him and watched the miracles, but didn't choose to worship him. So I wanna encourage you to stop waiting around for that moment that your body will just force you to express yourself. Your, emotion, your emotions will coerce you into jumping up and down. It's not that, it's a choice a choice to engage. And so I just wanna break off any like fake spiritual mindsets and encourage you that if you wanna raise your hands and worship and express yourself, just raise them. If you wanna dance, make that choice. Be so caught up in the proximity of worshiping him right now that you are conscious of him, not what people think, not what's going on around you. So if you're able, will you stand with us as we come to worship? I wanna encourage
encourage us just to take a moment, whatever way that looks like for you, maybe closing your eyes, to just focus on him. Jesus, you are wanted here in this place as we worship. Come and reveal yourself to us. We take this moment to just realign ourselves back to you. We say that you are worthy of every part of who we are. So will you come, will we glorify you in this place? And as we sing these songs, that they won't just bounce off the ceiling, but they will land in our hearts. just words that we're singing to nothing but that you are here you are present and you love when we worship you because you love your people realigning themselves to what is life giving so come come in this place you're wanted here Jesus Jesus